Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Radio Pup application and Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn and discuss about some many legal issues that seniors face now or could be facing in the near future. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. Yes, it's Saturday, February the 1st, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the February issue of the Best of Times in one of our 522 distribution locations. Thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a copy, you can always visit our fabulous website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine as well as to download and view the current copies of the Silver Pages 2000, the 2019 edition of Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows of the Best of Times Radio Hour. The Best of Times is working on its 18th edition of Silver Pages, our Senior Resource Directory. This is the most popular publication used by seniors, boomers, and their family members to find needed services, products, and, of course, lots of great information. We are updating this directory right now, and it will be distributed on March the 2nd of this year at our 522 distribution locations. We are printing 25,000 copies. In addition, uh, it will be online like it is has been for the past 18 years on our website for people to view and download it as well. The Cattle Parish Sheriff's Office will host an AERP Smart Driver course from 12 noon to 4 p.m. on Wednesday, February the 12th at the Northwest Regional Reentry Facility located at 1121 Forum Drive in Shreveport. This is a four-hour refresher course for drivers 50 years of age and older. And if you qualify, but, um, you will obtain an automobile insurance premium discount. Class size is limited. Pre-registration is required. Uh, for reservations and pre-registration information, do call the telephone number 318-681-0870. Again, that's 681-0870. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AERP. Louisiana and A Bears, Tunney Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 
Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears Tending Country Rest Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show today are two special guests. It's Mr. Kyle Moore, who is an elder law attorney, and Vicki Rich, who is the client care coordinator with the law firm of Weem, Shemp, Haynes, Shemwell, and Moore. And they're here on our show to discuss senior issues that need to be considered now rather than the future. Uh, and also discuss some legal documents that one should have already planned or are planned to obtain or update as well. So thank you, Kyle, and thank you, Vicki, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Good morning, Gary. Always a pleasure to be with you. So what should seniors and boomers like me uh, be doing at the beginning of the year regarding legal concerns, legal issues? Yeah, Gary, that, you know, our, our businesses, you know, all year long, we always want clients to come in and, and get their affairs in order, and we deal with families all through the year. But it's something about the, at the beginning of the year that, you know, New Year's resolutions or just uh, getting to, around to it that we really start seeing people trying to come in and get that their affairs in order. Um, and get those legal documents in place that they have been putting off for the past several years. And so it's always good at this time of the year to, to get that message out and hopefully that if anybody has been delayed to kind of come in with their family and, and let's get that planning updated. So whether or not they've had wills that they've done 20-plus years ago, you know, or they've never had wills. So we see it everywhere in between, but it's um, always good and I always encourage clients to pull those documents out if you have them. Review them. I mean, if they have been in your, uh, been around for a long period of times and things change and laws change, it's never too late to get those documents out. Look at them and see if they really are still relevant. If those, uh, if that really still is the plan for your, for your estate planning, uh, are your agents on your prince, on your power of attorneys, are those still the same people that you had designated years ago? You know, I've had clients come in that, you know, um, had documents back before they had children, you know what I mean? Or wow. that, you know, that uh, had lost a loved one and had remarried, you know, and said we have documents that are still in place from that previous marriage. We see that a lot in our boomers, you know, that they have, may have lost a spouse, you know, years ago, and they had estate planning with that spouse. But they haven't come back, and they've got back remarried, and they haven't come back and updated the document. So, you know, inevitably life happens, and things change. And so we always encourage to, to get those things in order and start taking a look at those documents. Okay, here's a quick question I've just thought about. Uh, and updating your will. I had one gentleman say that, uh, Gary, my wife passed away last year, and so... Um, uh, I need to get my will updated, which he should, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, because... Um, we always, in you know, looking for the future, that we try to make those wills, you know, contingent upon those things happening, you know, so that we leave bequest to a spouse, and then we we inevitably put in a uh, phrase that says, "Should my spouse predecease me, mm-hmm. then I direct my assets as follows." So, you know, as a good practitioner, we want to try to have those doc- those wording in that document, but sometimes it it's not. You know that I've seen plenty of I love you, what I call I love you wills that just <laughs> simply they're one liners. I'll leave everything to my spouse. Period. Wow. Wow. And it's you know and over. So if you have something like that, you know, and you don't have a contingency plan, then you definitely need to get those documents updated because if you do not have that. Then we have to fall to the to the laws of the state of Louisiana to direct your assets. So people who do not have a will 
or they don't have these contingent uh, heirs listed in their will, then we do fall to the Louisiana law, and the law will direct your assets. So that makes big bequests a invalid will or a partially invalid will. Is that right? That's right. Because if there's not, if it doesn't tell us, it doesn't direct us that the if the spouse or the heir that's listed has is deceased, and we don't have direction as to who would inherit, then we have to go back to our laws, and it basically you have an invalid will or non uh, enforceable will at that point. So Kyle, here's a follow up question, which I answered, but I said, you know, you need to check with your attorney. <laughs> but I don't think this. I don't think you can do this. He said, well, Gary, my, my spouse died sometime last year. I'm getting ready to change my will. Can't I just put in the will all my life insurance and all the other policies be automatically changed to relieve my wife? And if I get married, it automatically will put a, somebody on there? Oh, wow. Yeah, that that is uh, <laughs> way out of bounds right there. And not only the fact that life insurance policies, uh, the beneficiaries of those policies – are not directed by your will. You life cannot. Is, you cannot direct in the that's will. That's right. Life Even if you try, it's going to be deemed invalid, huh? That's right. Because life insurance policies are contracts with a life insurance company, and it's to pay the named beneficiary upon your passing. And so, whoever you have designated in the beneficiary form. That's what's enforceable. So even if you tried to leave your life insurance proceeds through a will, they, the life insurance company has no legal obligation to honor that. They they look to the contract with you, the insured, and if you put, I leave that to First Baptist Church of wherever, then that policy is going to go to the First Baptist Church. It is not going to go through your will. Now, oftentimes we have... You know, if that beneficiary has predeceased the insured and that the contract with the insurance company oftentimes says if you if the beneficiary you have listed is deceased at the time, then we go to these and they usually have a list of people who they would pay, meaning it may say children first. It may say your estate. So in that case, it would find its way through your estate, and then we, we, we would look at the insurance proceeds just like any other asset that you would have, oh, like your house, car, or something else. Okay, I want you to mention, it, it is okay with the insurance company that you do not list a person. You could say the estate. Yeah, so most of the time, they will have you list at least one beneficiary. Oh, okay. so, so any of those forms that they, when you sign up for that policy, they will have you designate one primary beneficiary. Okay, so at least I have not seen that they would just not have any beneficiary listed. So when you when you buy that policy and you set that policy up, the insurance company always has you list one beneficiary for that policy. And so oftentimes we encourage to have a contingent beneficiary listed on the policy for that very reason. Because generally we don't want insurance proceeds to be to fall into the estate and then they get commingled with others and may be responsible for debts and obligations that the insurance was not intended to do. So the, the insurance uh, proceeds are really good to direct because they're tax-free monies that you can leave to that beneficiary and it does not have to go through probate. So you kind of undo the that that ease of use if you 
and don't have a beneficiary designated and the policy comes back into the estate, you may cause a probate situation that you otherwise could have avoided. So when you come and get clients or future clients, do you also go over their particular life insurance, their annuities, and all the other that have beneficiaries? That's, that's right. And the biggest one right now, Gary, is in uh, outside of it, life insurance are people's IRAs and 401k accounts because that's where uh, so many people now are accumulating their wealth. That's where, you know, they've been saving these monies all these years and socking it away and contributing to these 401k plans and the IRAs. And those two operate the same way. They are contracts with the companies to pay on the beneficiaries regardless of the will. So so it's we always want to make sure and coordinate that beneficiary designation with the will and make sure that that makes sense and that the plan is goes across both sides. Okay, I want to shift responsibility. Who's responsible for monitoring that? Let's say an 82-year-old young lady out there has all these particular life insurance policies and annuities and whatnot, and she might not have changed anything in 30 years. Yeah. We see, you know, it is a, it is a problem because... We almost have to become forensic accountants to go <laughs> digging through. I love that to word. dig through these uh, documentation. We look at tax returns. We look at bank statements, and oftentimes, me and Vicky will sit down with family, and they bring a grocery bag or just a, a box of, of paperwork that they found at mom's house, and we just go through it to try to track down these policies, these annuities, you know, these accounts somewhere that may not just you know know about so, so when you when you come to your your firm and yourself and Vicky, you need to bring some of those documents or tell them that you have these particular annuities or life insurance and you can help them validate you know is and if you see an unusual name right you right. Would probably question Absolutely. why is that Becky instead of Mary <laughs> oh that's my prior wife right that's well be because it'll be an answer oh I forgot <laughs> to change that that's oh. right. Um, yeah, and so you just we, can't say spouse. That's another thing. This gentleman right. said, "Can I just put spouse when I get married? It automatically go to a spouse." Uh, that's very dangerous. Very dangerous. But uh, we do have a law that says that you know, upon divorce, yeah. that of a spouse, that that a bequest is invalidated. So, uh, but if it if the spouse just predeceases you, again, you know, we just look to if you're married at the time. Usually there's some identifying language that says, I was married to uh, Mary in 1950, and we have one child of that marriage. So there is some personal information that we try to incorporate in the wills to try to try to classify those, those definitions of spouse and children. Because we're looking at these documents years later, and right. the person has passed. So we do incorporate some personal history in our wills. Some practitioners don't. Oh, I like that. It's I a, like person, it. it's a personal preference. I'm impressed when you do that. People, people ask me all the time. It's like, Kyle, why do you, you know, why do you need that I was married twice? And I was like, well, when you had a child by that person, we need, you know, the whoever's going to be probating this will that could direct them and help them in the future as to who legally inherits and how those uh, assets are transferred. So we do try to put a minimal amount of that information to help down the line to accuse the, the attorney who's probating that will and can help whenever person And it could be 25 or 30 years now, people are going to forget, Absolutely. or some of the relatives may even forget all these details. De- de- That's de- exactly de- right. Detail. That's right. Okay, but you caught my attention. You, you said something about divorce 
if you have a divorce, is that for life insurance? Yes, there's there's really? there's specific that. statutes. That I think says, a lot of listen up of listeners. Yeah. This is interesting. Okay, yeah, that says that upon a legal divorce, that the bequest left to uh, a spouse or a designation of a beneficiary is no longer valid, and so it can now happen by operation of law, unless you have designated or affirmed that. In the will, if you said even it, upon our divorce, mm-hmm. I still want so and so to inherit something. Oh, and so we have had, you know, uh, even in a divorce situation, you may have a spouse that uh, is their parent of a child that mm-hmm. they still may want certain assets to go to. So, so I have done where a couple that had been divorced had still left a bequest to each other, but um, that that is. Usually the not the norm. It's it's out of the uh, usual. So recently, I've heard more and more people tend to want to do their own wills. Explain to my listeners <laughs> what the danger of doing your own will. Right. It is it is the uh, the good and bad of the internet sensation. <laughs> And so well, that's another. Tell them about that too. Yeah, have more people thinking they just go there and and, uh, and and on the internet and just download one, right? That's right. You know, and so everybody that gets on and can type in uh, Louisiana will gets directed to a website, and you know, for five ninety nine, you can have this form, and uh, you're just playing with fire. You know, I mean, these no telling the source of these documents. Uh, who they have vetted it with through a Louisiana attorney or not. Um, so these pre-printed forms are just, they're dangerous. Um, I have had to explain to more than one family that it's it was a waste of paper because it was not, it did not meet our Louisiana formality, um, which is very strict. I mean, we have uh, specific laws that says, what the will is supposed to say when it's done and by attorney and who has to sign that it has to be signed on every page you know so we have very strict rules as to the formality of a of a will that's uh prepared um by an attorney uh we do still have handwritten wills in louisiana what we call oligraphic wills um so we that is allowed you know, so you are. I tell clients that you are better off sitting down with a uh, piece of paper and a pencil and writing out a will than you are going to the internet. <laughs> I said, you know, because inevitably there, you know, if you don't read the instructions and you don't prepare it right and have it properly signed, it was a waste of time. But at least if you have your handwriting and we know it's your handwriting. Um, you have a better shot that that's going to be legally enforceable than some pre-printed form off the Internet. Well, that thought, we'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You'll listen to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio, 10, News Radio 710 Kill. Proudly presented by A-Bears, Town & Country, a Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Coligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 
Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, tonight country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on the show today is Mr. Kyle Moore, elder law attorney and Vicki Retch, client care coordinator with the law firm of Weem, Shemp, Haynes, Shemwell, and more. And they're giving us some great information about some senior issues that need to be considered now rather than the future. So thank you, Kyle, and thank you, Vicki, for joining us today. And before I forget, uh, you can find, if you want information from them or consultation or to go over your wills and other legal documents, do call them at 318-222-2100. Again, it's 318-222-2100. Or visit their offices at 912 Kings Highway. 912 Kings Highway. Very easy. Here, here in Shreveport. Very conveniently located right near St. Mark's. St. Mark's and right and now from Bird High School. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right. C.E. Bird High School. Very good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so we're talking about wills, but I, I I brought up something during break I think you need to address because I've had more people say, well, Gary, I got my will off the Internet. It looked good to me. I just take it down to the clerk of court, Caddo Parish, tell them, file it, tell the judge, implement it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, we've heard that a lot. But, no, the, the two different I get two different questions in that respect. One of them is that when you execute your will, does does the original will need to be filed at that time? Oh, good. Okay, point. so absolutely not. There is not? no there is no provision that oh, your will so. needs to be filed because a will is always subject to being changed and amended and revoked. So we don't generally go down and file those at the courthouse because, you know, a week later you may change your mind about who your heirs are. You can come and rip that one up and we can start over anew. So at the time that the individual passes away, then we go through that process of probate or what we call succession in Louisiana. And that's the process of taking the will and having it submitted to the court and then asking the judge to to then probate it or deem it to be legally valid. And so that process has to take place to have that will deemed to be legally enforceable. That way we can then have the executor appointed, and then that executor can then ask the court to transfer the assets to the rightful heirs that are listed in the will. So wills do not have to be recorded until the person is passed and we submit it. Until, emphasize that, until the the person. That's right. At the time the person passes away and we have deemed that that version is the final last will and testament executed by that individual and then that is the one that we submit and it is recorded in the parish of domicile or where that you know we do are conducting the probate process and that that original will is then at the courthouse for forever okay i want a quick question here i have heard of individuals that have changed their will probably 15 <laughs> times and kept all the old original Wheels, absolutely. So yes, they, you shouldn't do that, right? Right. Abs- yeah, no, because it, it it all is about confusion and trying to find the last legal version, and so everybody has a habitual wheel changer. You know, I mean, we have those <laughs> clients that you know they use it as either carrot dangling for grandchildren, oh. or you know, you didn't come visit me this much last month, so now you're out. You know, so. uh Whatever good intentions they have, but yes, I have clients that call every couple of months or once a year, and they want to come in and talk and want to leave, maybe take this person out of the will, maybe add this person. Uh, but keeping those old drafts, you know, once you've replaced it, only adds to the confusion of which one is your final wishes. Okay, so you, we always instruct that either you destroy it 
you write across it revoked and dated. But just the best reason is just to get rid of it and keep the final version available. And as we've talked about on many occasions, Gary, tell the executor where it is. You know, let them know. Whoever you is responsible for getting that will to the lawyer, let them know that you've you've designated them as that role because inevitably if if they don't know and you've never had that discussion with them then we're scrambling and looking around you know trying to find something that could easily be it's in the third drawer in the office and the cabinet go in there and that's where i've gotten important papers just a simple instruction like that could save us a lot of time and you know heartache and so so let's go back to that one location of the will the final will and I I know of many people that put them in the safe deposit box. Yep. And tell them why that's that shouldn't be the case. Well, the the trend has turned, you know, just with again the the with the computers and being able to store documents. Um, the original wills, you know, were used to either kept with the lawyer, mm-hmm. and they always kept them in their fireproof safe and had it secured. And so, if something ever happened, the family just came back to the family lawyer. Right. Well, nowadays we've become such a mobile society that people may, you know, execute a will in one city and then they transfer and live in another city or they've moved into closer to kids and to an assisted living somewhere in another state. And so the trend has been to give the originals to the to the client and that they hold on to them. And yes, they the safety deposit box has been the place which is most secure. But what has happened is that the the security and getting into those safety deposit boxes have become so strenuous. If you're not listed on the, the access card, if you don't have the key, you, it now takes a court order to open that box. And so something that could be, you know, at the house in a fireproof box or kept in, you know, just at the house and been a very easy uh, process has now become we have to go get the judge to order the bank to allow us in just to get the will to then come back and probate. And, and generally it doesn't take, it could, it could take longer than a day. Absolutely. You know, so. He has to be on his uh, docket to figure out what he's going to do this particular item. And that's right. And so I tell clients that, you know, if something happens to that that original by accident, if you had a house fire, you had water damage or something that destroyed that, well, we can easily replicate it. You know, I mean, we just, it's on the computer. We just print it again. You come back in and sign it. Or if you can't, then we know that if it wasn't intentionally destroyed by you and it was an accident, we can probate a copy. And so that is available to us in Hmm. in cases if it's just an accident. So we have probated copies in the past. And we just have statements from the heirs that, yes, that was at mom and dad's house. They had a house fire. You know, it was destroyed accidentally. And, yes, this is the final version that we all agree on. Okay. here's a, uh, Gary's got lots of questions. Absolutely. He's like these. <laughs> Vicki, you're not chiming in here. He's the expert. <laughs> no, but you're, you're the second expert. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so many okay. questions. Okay. Executors. I think that's another confusing thing that uh, seniors and boomers older than me, probably younger than me, I heard of a recent lady that said she didn't want to tell her kids which one is the executor because it would upset the kids. So how does how does the how does the son or daughter know that being on her death 
That's he right. is. They are the executive. <laughs> yeah, and that and that. I always laugh that moms are the worst because they are so afraid that the children is going to read this one day, mm-hmm. and somehow if they're if they're the order that the kids think mom would put them in is not what is actually in the will because she really knows them that somehow they're going to get their feelings hurt and yep. feel like mom didn't love them as much. And I reassure them all the time. I said, "Look, you know your children. You know who's going to do it. Okay, we can list them all in in order." But it may not be birth order. The oldest may not be the most responsible one at the time or may be the, the best option. I said, put down who is going to do the job and you know. And, and inevitably, they know their children better than anybody. And so I said, look, you'll be gone. They'll be here with us. And they'll, they will get over it. I said, just do what you need to do and 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 let's but, go from there. But do you advise your clients to tell them in advance who the who the executors and secondary executors are going to be. Yes, yes. So and and always that goes that that conversation of letting them know that they have at least got things in order, and that they were they are asking them to be responsible if something happens to them, to make sure that those documents get to the lawyer. And and so absolutely having that conversation, letting them know that they will be called upon they need to do this for them and and where they are and how to find the documents and who they were you know their uh, attorney's name and how to find them all that needs to be communicated to them. and now they don't need to know anything you know if uh, some of my clients that well I don't want to know they'll start sniffing around and how much I have in the bank and they're going yeah. That's not the conversation. They don't need to know how much you have or necessarily at the time where it is as long as you have that planned and they, you have just asked them to follow your wishes. And so absolutely just having that basic conversation could mean a world of difference and a lot of time. One other question uh, that I know of one of my listeners and can relate to <laughs> is the, the gentleman loved all of his uh, four kids. Yeah, four kids. Put them all as co-executors. Mm. Tell the, tell the <laughs> listeners the problem. And they were in different parts of the country. Yeah. Um, and, and so I have had to uh, do the co-executor thing because if mom or dad cannot finally decide on one of them and they are just assured me that all of them are good kids and they're all going to get along and and so i've acquiesced and said okay if that's the way you want it that's the way i'm going to do it but what happens inevitably is that once you get and call the kids up they're all going to point to either one or two of those kids to do the legwork so there's always the one that says you know John handles all that. He's the guy, the business guy. Let him do it. Or they so have, more documents have to be filed <laughs> for that, right? That's, right. So in that, we have them resign or just say that they don't want to serve. And I always encourage them, look, we can communicate and everybody's on the same page, but we need one person to go forth and just get the job done. And so sometimes if in a in a kind of a not so great relationship among the siblings if they both want to serve so they can act as check and balances but most of the time it comes down they all acquiesce and let you know whoever's going to handle it handle it and we just sign the documents that says look i have been named co-executor i just don't wish to serve and we all agree that john can serve alone so what happens if an individual puts in a beneficiary one person and that one person 
is deceased at the time of the person wills deceased. What happens then? So if if the executorship was left to the, one of the children and that child is passed and we didn't provide for backup, then the law provides that we can go whoever the ultimate heirs are. So whoever's going to be ultimately receiving the inheritance can then appoint by agreement someone to serve as executor. So if we cannot agree, then it would be amongst the persons who are willing to do the job. So if you had two, sometimes we have contests as to who should best serve as executor. So both of them file their application with the court, and they get their lawyers, and we go to the courthouse, and we argue their positions of why this person should serve versus this one, and the judge ultimately makes a call. And then we go forward. And so, hopefully mom and dad didn't want that to happen. That's right? exactly right. And, then, you know, that's the worst case scenario because, again, we're spending a lot of time and money on something that should be pretty straightforward and just getting the wishes of the estate, you know, the estate are done. Okay. So I had this individual saying, Gary, I just need a simple will because I don't think I have anything that amounts to much of anything. So explain people what is a simple will or a complex will. Yeah, so, I mean, things can be as basic as I leave everything to my children in equal shares, you know, and having, you know, the children named as executor in order. Absolutely, that could be perfect, you know, for a situation where there's not, you know, a lot of huge debts, not a lot of complications, a house, a couple bank accounts and vehicles. That that may be all they need, you know, and so... um, that can absolutely be the case. But say that, you know, you have a spouse that's in the nursing home and, and receiving long-term care benefits and you have a child that maybe have a disability and you can't just do that. You know, so there are complications in lives that just you don't that would be uh, not adequate just to leave everything to one to the spouse or leave everything to the kids. So we definitely have to go and look at the big picture and I said, many times I do advise them, hey, this is all you need. Do a very simple will. But but, but the, those individuals that tell me they, they're going to get a simple will and they have multiple properties in multiple states, is that uh, a simple yeah. will? <laughs> well, again, that... that could be, but could, I don't... Could be, but again, that, that having the process, it won't be a so simple administration. Having to go to these other states and, and do ans- what we call ancillary probate proceedings and, and have it filed with their under their laws and having that property transferred to the rightful heirs. So it does expedite the process. But again, we could have a very simple situation that we know that the heirs get it. So it can be, but it just they need to know the um, the process of what they're looking for and make sure we have the right people in place to do that job. So if it is a multi- going through multiple states, we just want to make sure that it, it's adequate enough to, to cover those uh, pro- you know potential. And Kyle, when people come to you, any clients come to you, they have to be forthcoming and giving you the right information right that's right and it's and it's hard you know that you know we meet people for the first time you know may not have a previous relationship and then i start digging through their finances and asking them personal questions um and even though i assure them that you know we're bound by confidentiality and i can't share it with anybody um and but most people do understand that relationship and, and are forthcoming and and so um and that's why we do have a we send them a questionnaire to try to prompt them uh, to start thinking about all of those things before we sit down. So at least I can communicate with them and ask them 
and sometimes I don't need to know uh, all the the valuation if they tell me you know we don't have an estate tax issue or you know here we have these accounts and they're no more than X amount of dollars and so um, it, it is it is a give and take relationship. I have people who keep it close to the vest <laughs> until we get a, a good working relationship. And so, but it's uh, important that you and your your staff know these that's things exactly to, right. to make a proper will or a that's proper right. document. That's exactly right. I, there are basic information that I have to know to properly advise you legally. And so that and that's what I usually assure them is that I'm asking you this because if uh, if it's this, if it's greater than this, or if you have X amount of dollars in this or this type of annuity or this type of life insurance policy. That, that makes a difference legally, how we handle it. And so generally when I explain to them why, then they they open up to that and, and not a problem. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Tony Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on homeowner's insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you build a giant pillow fort in your living room. And when people ask why you have a pillow fort in your living room, you say it's for your dog. And when they ask, well, what kind? You say, "Mm, chocolate lab. And we have a web of lies that's almost as intricate as the crown molding in Fort Pillow. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the pillow soft fortress you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowner's insurance. Pros like you start with Lowe's to help take you and your business to the next level every day. And at the right prices, too. Stop in today and check out our selection of Little Giant Ladders, including the Little Giant King Combo Ladder. It's the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder for only $159. An all-in-one ladder that lightens your load and makes it easier to get any job done faster. Speaking of fast, need supplies in a pinch? Order online at Lowe'sForPros.com and we'll have your order ready for pickup at the pro desk. For this job and every job after, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Dunning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show is Kyle Moore, elder law attorney, and Vicki Rich, a client care coordinator with the law firm of William Shemp, Haynes, Shemwell, and Moore here in the Shreveport area. Do call them for questions and comments and consultation about wills and, and long term care planning at 222 2100. That's 222 2100. So, Vicki, let's talk a little bit about long term care planning. Well, great. Um, big questions that we have from seniors when they come in to meet with us are, how are we going to pay for our care down the road? Um, people are living a lot longer, and at times they're um, not as healthy as they used to be. Um, we have great advances in medicines and medical procedures, that, uh, and then we have a huge onslaught of Alzheimer's and dementia. So some people could be physically healthy but mentally not able to take care of their affairs and needing some nursing home or assisted living. So that's a big fear. So we have primarily four different ways to pay for long-term care, whether it be the nursing home or assisted living. You can pay out of your pocket. 
until you're down to nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, some people have invested in long-term care insurance. Right. So once they begin to need assistance. And hopefully they remember they have that of their, of exactly. their loved ones. Remember they have that policy. I've and they remember men. to pay the premium, too. Oh, so yeah. they don't suddenly say, oh, it's getting too expensive. I'm going to get rid of it. Oh, no, don't do that. Talk to your family and make sure, hey, let's keep paying this premium. Good point. Because once a person needs assistance in the home or um, in a facility and they need um, help with their activities of daily living, bathing, dressing, toileting, hygiene, medication management, they may be able to access their long-term care insurance to pay for a, a period certain, maybe three to five years or um, indefinite. Once, once they qualify. But some people haven't invested in that. They had kids to raise and send them to college and had their own businesses and decided not to invest in long-term care insurance. So what do they do? Well, if, um, if a person was a veteran and, and served at least 90 days active duty during a time of war, they may apply for a pension called the aid in attendance pension. And this pension will help pay for sitters in the home. It'll help pay for that assisted living facility. It'll help pay for nursing home care. There's a great war veterans home here in Bossier City um, that a veteran could go to or his spouse. Um, so as long as they meet criteria for um, that 90 days of service. And it's not and then, that a strict criteria, right? It's not as, as strict, but it, it a lot of people qualify, but nobody thinks about applying for it. It's one of the government's best kept secrets. That's what we always say. <laughs> it's because it's just, you know, when you're serving in the 40s, the 50s, or the 60s, when you get out, you're not thinking of, oh, what am I going to need when I'm 80 or 90 years old? Well, tell our listeners they can come visit you and Kyle right. to yeah. get this service. And this service, you Absolutely. just help them apply for yeah. it. There's it's kind of the package that we provide is just long-term care planning. Let's get your legal documents in place, but let's also look at your assets and how are you going to fund your care, okay? How are you going to pay people to take care of you? Can your spouse do it forever? No. Okay, so, um, you know, this, this benefit um, for a single veteran, currently it's $1,900 a month. Wow. Okay, for a married veteran, it's over $2,200 a month. And a widow of a veteran would be over $1,200 a month. So that really helps pay for people to come into your home to care for you or like assisted living. You know, an average assisted living in our area, you're looking at $3,200 a month. So if you're adding this $1,200 widow's pension, that really makes your dollar stretch a lot longer. So, it is income and resource-based, too. So, so. Let's, let's advise some of our listeners out there to get your mother, father, grandfather, uncle, and aunt to look and see if they serve. They might mm-hmm. be qualified for this particular Exactly. Benefit. Those particular documents are very important to keep. So many of the World War II veterans came home and would follow them at the um, parish courthouse. But typically... Um, they they keep their documents in the family Bible. You know, a lot of times <laughs> when somebody has lost their memory and doesn't know where things are, always look this at that family Bible. Bible. That is look true. at buy the insurance policies. Look in that safety deposit box because those are documents that DD two fourteen or on, honorable discharge paper. That's very important to apply for this um, for this particular benefit. There was a huge fire in the warehouse in uh, St. Louis that lost uh, hundreds and thousands of veterans' documents. So if you're in a particular war period, they don't have them. So it's it's up to the veteran or their family to produce that document um, for that benefit. It really is. So then the next benefit is Medicaid. So Medicaid for long-term care doesn't uh, pay for care 
in the home, but for a limited amount of people, there are waiver programs. They don't pay for assisted living, but once the um, person needs help in a nursing home facility, Medicaid can kick in. And it's a great benefit because we're a medically needy spend down state. So even if your income is rather high, as long as it's less than what the nursing home charges each month, you can qualify as long as your assets as well are qualified. Vicki, so, have you heard mm-hmm. from individuals that feel, uh, I would say, shame? That they were, it's nothing shame. I told this lady that uh, I don't want to. I don't want to tax my state and tax my federal government to, to get this particular benefit. Have you heard people that say that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, and, and I think you're right. I think shame is part of it. But also, they just well, I don't want to be on welfare. It's like you know, this is your long term care insurance. If you didn't sign up for some, if you couldn't afford to pay right. for long term care insurance, you know, a lot of people have worked so hard and saved so long, and you know, it is a benefit that's available. And we can't let our seniors, you know, live at home with hardly a bite to eat and not get the good care that they deserve. Yeah, and, I, and Gary, just to interject on that is, um, you know. I try to stay away from the the policy debates with clients, you know, that I, I tell people, look, you've paid tax. These are your tax dollars, okay? The programs are there. It's afforded to people who need it. And so just as billionaires can do tax planning to save monies, you do estate planning and long-term care planning to help protect your assets and qualify for benefits there's no difference in my book we can have how how our government spends their money you know that's the politicians debate all we know is the here's what the law is here's what we provide and it's available to our citizens and if we can help do that for a family then i think that's you know that's all we we try to do and so it's it's medicaid does have a stigma to it you know people think that it's uh some people do have that notion but i think once we explain the program and and what it's there for and how it can benefit people i said a lot of a lot of our clients understand that look this is something that our parents have worked their lives for and if they qualify then absolutely let's do it and really another important thing um to point out is that so many of our nursing homes in the area they are very fine nursing homes, and you cannot tell the difference between a Medicaid patient and someone paying out of pocket versus someone who, whose long-term care is paying for their care. It's not like they're off on one wing and they don't get but one meal a day and they're never looked at. I mean, they have to provide the same care to every resident of the home. Okay, so... Um other options other than and applying for this, you're, you and your staff mm-hmm. step them through the, all the process, not just the, the Medicaid, but all the other particular aspects. Right, absolutely. And, you know, at times people um, are concerned about protecting assets for their family. Perhaps they had a family farm or a, a- acreage that's been in their family for hundreds of years. Well, you don't want to get down to your 80s or 90s and suddenly realize, well, you know, we got that property in the 1800s, but if I still have that, you know, I can't have that asset, which is over $2,000, and qualify for Medicaid in the nursing home. So sometimes they're land rich and cash poor. So we need to look ahead at planning how can we preserve that asset for the family. And there are certain legal ways to go about doing that. Is that correct? Absolutely. And... uh 
definitely go by and visit them to learn about these particular legal ways to do the, the long-term care planning and, and dealing. But I, I would say it's important for you out there to consider all these options. And, and if your mother, grandmother, whatever is is getting long-term care, care you need to get with them to determine they might qualify for some of these, uh, uh, the aid-independent service mm-hmm. by, the, by the veterans, as well as to possibly apply for this Medicare benefit. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no harm in not applying, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's always good to to determine what's going to help you live your best life in the safest environment. Because it's not automatic. I had one person. Oh, it isn't automatic. When I go in the nursing home, it's going to be automatically kicked in. Nope. It's not automatic. <laughs> yeah, things are automatic. Yeah. It's not like yeah. automatic getting Medicare at sixty five. So, mm-hmm. uh, so thank you for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio. Hour. You were quite informative. I learned a lot of new things. Do call them at three one eight two 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 twenty one hundred or visit their website at www.weems-law.com. and their office is located at nine twelve Kings Highway. Uh, right in front of St. Mark's Cathedral and down from Bird High School. Thank you, Carl, and thank you, Vicki, for joining us today. You're thank welcome. You, we'll be right back with more information, but now we're with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Southern Country Street Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, The Best of Times Radio Hour, here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Don't forget to per- pick up a personal copy of The Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.